I've asked Megan to help us in the interim time. She's, she is going to be stepping in as our interim worship leader, and we're super thankful to have her to help lead this team. And, and the Amen. And the, the great thing is, is that she has a great team, and we appreciate all of our singers, all of our musicians, and so I told her, I said, I'm not throwing you to the wolves. You actually have a, a phenomenal team, and I'm excited about, you know, them, and uh, I, I'm looking forward to you leading this team, and, and we're going to be praying about what that looks like for the future, and so we're excited to, to have you, and so I just wanted these guys, so if you have any, if you'd like to be a part of the worship team, if you'd like, if you play an instrument and would like to be a part of uh, the band, uh, just see this young lady, and she will jump in and, and love to communicate with you and have you a part of that. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Wow. Isn't God good? Man. You guys look great. Can you just look to that person beside you and say, you look good this morning? Yeah. Turn to your second option and tell them they look good too. Amen. Praise the Lord. A few weeks ago, I started talking about prayer and kind of aligning that with God's commission to us and and I talked about the, the motive of our prayers love. It's the, it's the root of why we do what we do. It's the root of why Jesus did what he did. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So we recognize that out of love, we are motivated to love others. Because God first loved us, right? And so we... We looked at that motivation of love, but when, then we looked at how prayer is divine. You know, it's divinely holy because we recognize that, uh, that inside God told us to go into the secret place, and inside we find that judgment takes place on the outside. And we went through multiple scriptures looking at but we also looked at what it means to be on the inside and how that we find the anointing of God and how God supplies our needs. We see the miraculous on the inside and how God prepares us and uses us and equips us for his purpose. We see how prayer is divinely privileged. Think about this. God, the creator of heavens and earth, invited us into a holy place, the holy of holies, to be with him, to experience the presence of his glory. How amazing that is. And God invited us in. So it's divinely privilege, but it's also divinely possible and practical because in and of ourselves, we don't have the ability to pray to a divine being, but God created us so that we can have communication with him and he's opened a, opened a door. He's made a way where there's no way so that we can, so that it's divinely possible that we can have a relationship with God and commune with the, the holy, awesome, righteous, mighty God. Isn't that amazing? And then we talked about the authority that we have for the, for, for the kingdom of God, the authority through prayer, and, and how that uh, we can experience that authority uh, through prayer to, to drive out the enemy, right? Amen. Amen. So thank God for that. And so when we look at that authority, we think of the miraculous. And, and, and isn't God miraculous? I mean, just to think that in some of your lives, hopefully all of your lives, the miraculous has taken place because you have experienced a new birth. A, you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. It's miraculous. It's miraculous how God illuminates our path and, and, and out of darkness, God helps to reveal truth and brings us to his light and establishes us in his kingdom purpose and sets us on a rock to stand. That is the miraculous side of the power and authority of God. Think about that. I don't know what addiction or what habit or what struggle or what you were saved from or out of, but think about how God took you in our most lowest state and he was willing and loved us so much that he was 
willing to reach down even while we were still in the midst of sin and care for each one of us to transform us. That, my friends, is miraculous. Thank God for the miraculous. Amen? Amen. So looking at that authority and bringing that authority of the kingdom of God into our praying we should also experience the answers to prayer. Amen? Y'all didn't know how to answer that, did you? Can I tell y'all one funny thing before I go on? Maybe. I just want to break down, because y'all look a little tense this morning, y'all. And I don't know if I told you this, but Altars are a great place to find humility, right? This one right here really humbled me a few weeks ago. I, might have, I don't know if I told you, but this one right here really humbled me because I came in here, you know, and it was dark. And uh, I had my backpack in my hands and picked up something in my hands, and I, I went to walk out, and... Um, uh, I saw this right here sitting right there. And it's normally right there. I said, well, I got plenty of room. And I went to walk out of this thing, and bam, I landed on my face right there. I said, Lord, thank you for humbling me. And thank you that nobody else was here to see. <laughs> God is gracious, isn't he? <laughs> so when I think of the authority of God, seeing and bringing the authority of God, bringing the authority of the kingdom into our prayer, I believe God wants us to pray with authority. How many believe that? Because if I look at John chapter 14, if you want to turn with me to John chapter 14, look at verse 12. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. That just blows my mind. Think about that. He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And get this. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Greater thing. I mean, when I just stop and think about, for those who believe in me and the works that I do, just in the idea of recognizing the works that Jesus Christ performed is just amazing. I mean, to think that when he came up in the, the, the Gadarean cemetery and, and there this demonic, the demoniac was walking around, they, they tried to chain him, they tried to hold him down, they tried to contain him, but nothing could contain him. He would even break chains. And But when Jesus showed up, Jesus spoke and cast out the demons and the man was made whole to the point he was sitting there and became an evangelist to the city. Jesus did the impossible. No one else could do. No one else could, could contain, but Jesus came and he contained the situation. Jesus walked the Bible. I mean, when you look at the Bible, everywhere Jesus went, he was doing good, right? Everywhere he went, he was healing somebody, even to the point that even the place of his own birth town where it says that he couldn't do many things, before the ending of that passage, it says he healed some people. Come on. So even in places where it was thought to be impossible to heal, Jesus, even in the, in, in the environment of impossibility, Jesus still healed. Jesus went and he opened blinded eyes. He was able to touch people and their eyes were open. He 
went to a leper and the leper was there and that leper uh, came to him and, 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 and everybody else was afraid of the leper. But yet when Jesus came, he said, he, he not only spoke to him, but he touched him and made him whole. He healed his physical body with a word from the Lord, amen. But he healed his emotions and he healed his physical being. When he touched him, he healed him completely. Jesus does the impossible To think about this, pre-crucifixion, pre-resurrection, Jesus even went by and as as he walked through the town, people touched him and even touching the hem of his garments healed the lady who had an issue of blood. And he was on his way to Jairus' house and at Jairus' house, they mocked him. He said, "The, the girl is not dead. And yet they laughed at him because they knew she was dead. But Jesus sent all the unbelieving people out and he brought the parents in and he brought his, his inner circle in and he went in and he touched her and he brought her up. He said, arise, come on somebody. Jesus raised the dead. Jesus For those who believe in me and the works that I do, they shall do also. Wow. Joey, I don't know about you, but man, that's amazing. You raised the dead lately? You seen any blinded eyes? Open recently? If we've seen the demon possessed, and believe me, there are demon possessed people in our world today, whether you want to believe it or not. Have you seen them cast out recently? We, we, we believe this. We accept this as his word. We grasp a hold of this as his truth and and we understand that this is his holy word infallible and he says and the same works that I do you will do also and greater because I go to my father now we might would theologically say that he doesn't mean qualitatively greater but quantitatively greater because the sense is there's more of us and because the spirit of the Lord lives in us uh, and, and we are his representatives in the world that there are more of us now touching lives and transforming so greater in the sense of quantitative or quantitatively there are more things happening amen so I mean Is it discouraging to you when you pray and something doesn't happen? The answer is yes. If you're afraid to answer, yes. It's discouraging. We we pray and, oh, Lord, we want to see this happen. We might even get passionate about it. We might cry, we might shout, Lord Jesus. And it's discouraging when we don't see answers to prayer. But I think sometimes we get into this mindset where our prayer has been dominated by our position. Our prayer has has been with the motives of self-preservation and self, our own ideologies and our own mentalities and what we want. Amen, oh me, oh God, help us. I mean, how can we experience God who is able to do the exceedingly abundantly in our lives today? How do we experience the anointing and the power of God in this 2021, how do we experience the same God who declares he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and if we believe that he did these things, then how do we 
believe he does them now? How do we experience that? How do we put that into perspective? How do we allow God to move in us and through us as the body of Christ if we are the vehicle by which the world knows who Jesus is and in the unity of the body of Christ that they see the love of God through us and the empowerment of the body to reach the world? How do we experience that in our lives and in our church today? You know, I have the privilege of meeting with a group of pastors every Thursday, and, and there's, pa- there's Methodist, Baptist, Church of God, Independent. You know, um, there's just a camaraderie of pastors there. And I love the time we take because we will one by one pray individually out loud for the, the, the body of Christ corporately and to hear them pray, hear the passion in their prayer, no matter what denomination, everyone has a resounding prayer, God send revival. God send revival. That's my prayer, God send revival. What does that mean? What does that mean to experience revival? What does that mean to, to, to see God once again breathe the breath of life into the dry bones of the church, to see us experience the presence and power of God once again, to see the anointing of God flowing through the body of Christ, seeing souls saved, seeing lives transformed, seeing those who have been lost and undone, those who have experienced, uh, whether it be uh, lifestyles that are unbecoming of the kingdom of God or whether it be uh, in addictions that have embraced and torn down families. God, sin, revival once again. Amen? God, help us. Because I believe that so often we pray and I'm not sure that we pray in such a manner that that is aligned with the kingdom of God because we're too busy, so focused on ourselves. You know, when I look at throughout the New Testament, I see the prayers that Jesus prayed. I never hear him praying for his own comfort. I never hear him praying for his own safety. His prayers were so focused on other people. Even at the very pinnacle before his crucifixion to the place where he was overwhelmed with the weight of the sin of the world, understanding his next step was to literally be crucified on the cross. He said, not my will, but yours be done. James chapter four talks about quarreling and conflicts among us. It says, what is the source of this? Is it not your pleasures that wage war in your members? Lust that, and do not have. You commit murder. You, you're envious and cannot obtain. You, you're, you're fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You, do not, you ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives is so that you may spend it on your own pleasures. It goes on and talks about friendship with the world as hostility toward God and calls that a, a spiritual adultery. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord. Friendship with the world. Now, what's he saying when he goes there? What's, what's he mean? Friendship with the world brings enmity with God, brings hostility toward God. You know, I started thinking of Deuteronomy chapter 8, and, and I didn't give you guys that, guys. Sorry. Deuteronomy chapter 8, and in Deuteronomy chapter 8, it's God's graciously dealing with his people, and he's telling them, look, don't forget me. Look, when you come into the land, when you come into the prosperity, when you come into the blessing, don't forget me. All the commands that I, have, that, I, that I am commanding you today, you shall be careful to do that you may live and multiply uh, and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give your forefathers. You shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Hmm. Oh, God. He humbled you and let you hunger, 
and let you be hungry, and he fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you understand the understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. And it goes on and on multiple times. Verse 11, beware, remember, don't forget, remember. And I believe that when we look at the history of Christianity, we can see the same pattern of of coming close to God in revival movements and moving far away from God during prosperous seasons. We see this historical movement. To us, a hundred years seems like, dear Lord, that's forever. But when you look at history and, and, and the processes of the kingdom of God and how people have drawn close to God through crisis and then away from God through means of prosperity, once again, I believe that that when we look at our society, we have become so prosperous that we have forgotten who God is. We have become friends with the world and we have become uh, so encumbered by the things of the world that we want to identify with the people of the world. We want to identify with this and we want to identify with that. We want to experience this and we want to experience that. But there's really truly one experience that we need more than anything else and that is an absolute experience with the creator of the world God himself to shake our foundations and awaken us from our our our, our mentalities of the world amen amen i think when i think of how that looks so many times you you, you can look at Nehemiah chapter 13 and you can see how in Nehemiah chapter 13, Nehemiah had, had, uh, had been given the commission of the king and of God to go and build the wall. And we see how he worked and how the enemy tried to attack that, right? And we see how um, Tobias and different ones came in and tried to intimidate them and keep them from fulfilling the plan of God. But, you know, after a while, when everything was built and everything was created, everything was worshiping, was like it's supposed to be, they became friends with the enemy. So much so that, that they lost their worship. Because when you, when you look at this scripture there in, in Nehemiah chapter 13, literally they had emptied the room where the provisions were made for the Levites who were to lead worship. They had literally cleansed out the room. They took the offerings out. They took the utensils of worship out. They took all those things out and allowed Tobiah, the very one who intimidated them, the very one who had, who had made fun of them, who told them they couldn't do it, told them the, that, that if a fox would run on the top of their wall, it would be torn down, all of that. And now the very one who had been against them is living in the temple and taking the place of their worship. Look, guys, when I think of the authority of God in prayer, it starts with my worship. It starts, with my, it starts with my praise. It starts because the Bible says enter his courts with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. If I'm to enter in, I, I have to have a, a worship. I have, a, I have to have a thankfulness. And if I'm so caught up in the busyness of the world and my thanks is only about what the world can give me and how, how satisfied I am in the worldly things, then am I truly satisfied and experience Experiencing God is my source of strength, is my source of hope, is the light of my life. Is it truly Jesus Christ or is it dependent on a system of the world? As long as my pockets are padded, as long as I've got soft seats, as long as I've got air conditioning, as long as everything is going my way, I can worship God. If it's not going my way, then I'm not happy with God and I'm going to lose sight of God's plan. God, help us. Because it was in that moment that over time, look, Samson never intended to have his eyes gouged out. He never intended to be uh, 
being grinding around the wheel. He never intended having to end his life pushing out some columns. He never intended, but it was the small little details that he allowed to bring compromise in his life to the point where he lost the power and authority of God that God gave him to be an overcomer. And I think that we see the body of Christ and, 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 and we have become anemic in our faith. We've become anemic in the authority of God because somewhere along the way we've allowed the positions of the world to infiltrate our life to that point where we're so satisfied only when the things of the world are aligned with us instead of the things of God. I know, guys, this ain't one of those shouting messages. And just as much as I am sharing this with you, this is going to me. Because I need this. This is what God's dealing with me. And so I share this not out of, a, not out of a, any kind of judgment or any kind of you know, pressure on you, but to say God is dealing with me to make sure my focus is where it should be. I don't want compromise to prevail in my life. I mean, because think about it, guys. From generation to generation, we see the, delu the delusion of, of faith. I mean, we talk about the patriarchs of the faith, even in our own, in our own families, where, you know, well, grandma, well, she was the one that she was the prayer warrior of the family. She held everything together. She was the one that really encouraged the people, her grandfather. And they were the patriarchs of faith. And, and somewhere along the way, the next generation said, well, my parents were so strict. I, I was drove to church. I had to be there for this and that. And, I didn't, and, and so, therefore, I'm not going to raise my children in that kind of environment. And yet, what, what was it that, that drove this generation to be the strict mentalities they had. Look, some may say, well, they were just so traditionalist. They were just so religious. But guess what? At some point, there was a fear of God that understood that if I walk away from God, there, it could happen in a moment of twinkling of an eye. I could be killed. I, I want to make sure that I fear the Lord in an appropriate way. I don't want to do anything that would hinder my walk with God. And so we taught our children so many rules and regulations and it wasn't meant for them to feel their happiness and freedoms were missing it was for the point that look God is real he is a heavenly father celestial father he is one who loves us and is compassionate for us but he has a standard of living and he says if you want to see me you've got to walk in holiness for without holiness no man shall see the Lord that's what the word of God says and are we living in holiness now and so we live this watered down life for the next generation well I'm not going to live that way because that was too strict and so therefore I'm going to let my kids do what they want to do and then one generation after the next, it becomes more deluded and, it bec and, we, and they become farther away from God and to a point where there is no fear of God any longer. There is no understanding that God is almighty God. That he is the creator of the world and that one day he will come and receive us to himself. One day, this world and everything in it will pass away, but his word will stand forever. There's one day he's coming back, and we've got to be ready. And how are we preparing the next generation? Look, I'm not telling you you've got to go back to some, some of the things that went on, but I am telling you we need to once again understand that holiness is the way of living. We need to understand the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things shall be added to you. We're too busy seeking the other things and his righteousness and the kingdom is on the inside. It's on the back burner saying, oh God, I'll get to you when I get to you. God, I just want to have my happiness and my fun right now Jesus help me Lord maybe this is why I'm feeling that way Kim because <laughs> I know in my own life I've got to refocus I know in my own life my own 
my own walk. I don't, I don't doubt my salvation. I don't doubt that I have a relationship with God. I don't doubt that I pray to Him. I don't doubt that I read His Word. I don't doubt those things. But how much of the world influences me? How much do I allow the strategies and mindsets of the world to dictate the decisions that I make on a daily basis? I want to know that I know that if the Spirit of the Lord walked into the room and said, do this, I am willing. I want to know that if, if, if I'm in the middle of Walmart or wherever and the Lord speaks, that my ears are attentive. I want to, I want to be the, the Samuel say, yes, Lord, speak. Because if I am to be able to read this word and, 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 and see what he says there in John chapter 14, verse 12, or going verse 13, he said, if, if you ask anything in my name, I want to know that, that I'm walking in his name. I'm not living out just a formula that people want to say, what's the formula? If you'll just say, in Jesus' name, amen, it's got to be done. He says it would be done. But I don't want to live out just a formula because it's not a formula. It's a lifestyle. It's a walk in his presence. No wonder at the very end of that little passage in verse 15, it says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments because he understood it's about walking in his commandments. It's about walking in his truth. It's about walking in obedience to the king because when we walk in obedience to the king, we walk as ambassadors of the king. And when we speak uh, as ambassadors of the king, his authority carries weight. And when we say to the demoniac, in Jesus' name, be thou removed from this person, they're set free from the power of the enemy because the light of God shines in the midst of darkness and illuminates their path and they're awakened by the power power of God so I, when I ask y'all don't know this but I got seven points and I'm just on number one this might be a series <laughs> but if we are able to ask God, have the humility of a child to ask God, we also need to be in the demeanor of a child to ask God. Because you know what? If you want to know the truth, ask a child. Right? Our children's church workers find out everything. <laughs> I had one of my kids who was an open book all the time, right? Even creating stories. I said, son, that's not true. <laughs> you can't tell them that. But to think as we come, Jesus has suffered the little children to come in. Why? Because there's a, there's a humility in a child that comes to God and a, and a truthfulness, an openness to say, God, whatever you want. My dependence is on you, my my identity is found in you. Everything I need is embraced in who you are. And so uh, sometimes as we get older, we get, we get mature. Is that the word? Gosh, help us. We get so worldly mature and, and so self-absorbed that we lose sight of our identity in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. And I believe that God, when he says, if you ask whatsoever you will in my name, it will be done. I believe that he means that. And I believe there's some sons and daughters that you've been praying for. And God wants to bring his illumination into their life. And I believe it's going to happen. I believe there's, this church is going to be a place of miracles. I believe that. I believe this is going to be a place where the where those who come in captive and, and, and overwhelmed by the world are going to be set free because there's a passion 
in this place for the holiness of God, to walk out the truth of God, that people will come and they will experience the presence and power of God in such a way that they lay down at the altar. What happened to coming and grabbing a hold of the horns of the altar and crying and pushing and praying until something happens and letting go of the past? I believe these altars are going to be... This might sound nasty. But I believe there are going to be some good old sweating tears right here. Amen. Amen? I believe there's going to be, once again, a stirring because as we look at focusing our church back to becoming a house of prayer, that, that as we focus on intercession, as we focus on warring in the spirit as we focus on praying as we focus on aligning ourselves with who he is that we're going to see dynamic things take place i believe that amen and i believe that you want to see that too i believe that is your desire i believe there's a stirring in you this morning a hunger to see god move once again because look we want to see our children experience what we experienced we want, to see our, we want to see our children crying out before God. We want to see our children shouting and dancing before the Lord. We want to see our children embracing the things of God. We want to see God move once again in this generation. It, it can't be, well, yeah, precious memories. It can't just be precious memories. It has to be new he said this way, be being filled. Be continually filled. And I don't know where you are. Maybe you're still living on a precious memory. But I'm here to tell you the same God that baptized you in the Holy Spirit, that transformed your life back then is the same God that can move on you today and the same tears that you shed then, the same shout that you shouted then, the same joy that filled your heart is the same joy that can fill your heart today. It's the same God who wants to transform, who wants to energize, who wants to move in our place once again. God, help us to... Be submissive to your plan. Help us to not look for just the comforts of this world or just the comforts of my own, what I think should be. But God, help me to truly be able to say, just as Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Point one. I believe that's enough points for today. It's a heavy point. It's been a heavy burden. But I know that I've got to make changes in me. I know that I have to continue being submissive and surrendering to the Lord. I know that I have to truly walk in humbleness before God as well. Because how can I expect God to move if I'm not willing to also be moved by him? Amen. And look, I can have a desire for a next generation. Somebody come in just pianos and help me land this ship. I can have a desire for other generations to experience God. Hear me now, hear I can have a desire for other generations to experience God, but if I'm not continually experiencing God, how will they see that in me? I can talk about old revivals that I used to go to. I can talk about phenomenal experiences of the power of God moving into you know, habitations, into whether it be revivals in the Philippines that I was in, and see God move there. I, I could talk about so many different, overwhelming experiences of God. But the same God who moved in those experiences can still move right here, even right now. But I've got to be willing to let Him move me 
I've got to have spiritual eyes to see him move and be willing to align myself with him. Look, I could, I could, y'all still love me, right? I can complain about this or that. I could get frustrated with processes. I can get frustrated with things aren't where I want them to be. We've got a lot of work to do in trying to organize and build good communicative processes within our church. We've got a lot of work to do. And I can get frustrated and you can get frustrated with those things, but at the end of the day, our whole desire is to see God move. Our whole desire is to see someone come in who's been broken by the world to embrace them and see the presence of God change their life. Amen. William, you don't mind me picking on you, do you? Come here, William. I love this guy right here. Walk with me. I can't drag you. You're bigger than I am. A whole lot bigger than I am. But you know, over the last three months, I've just really enjoyed turn. You want to pick me up? I've really enjoyed just hearing his story, watching his life. I've enjoyed even walking through the struggle with you. I, he probably gets aggravated with me because if I don't see him, I'm saying, hey, bro, where you been? But one of these days, he'll tell his testimony. But to see where God has brought him from and to where he is today, man, this guy's an evangelist. He's not standing behind a pulpit preaching a message, but his his, the world is his pulpit. I mean, everywhere he goes, he's saying, this is who I used to be, but this is who God, this is who God has made me today. And, and, and he don't get it right all the time. Because everybody needs Jesus, right? But there's one thing about it is, when he recognizes something's wrong, He's got accountability partners. He calls David, David, dude, I need help. He's making himself available. He's, he's saying, look, I'm weak. I'm in need. I'm struggling, and I need help on the journey. It's, it's that kind of mentality that will help us get into the attitude to say, Lord, I need you more. It is that mentality that says, I can't do this by myself. It is that faith, not to say you're a child, but, but it is that humble, childlike faith that he has that says, I just believe God. I don't, look, I don't know all the theology behind all that stuff, but what matters is God's God. God's got me. God's going to help me through this. God's going to save my family. God's going to use me in His plan. However that looks, that depends on God. I'm just available. I'm just available. Here I am, God. Use me. Honestly, this, this is an altar call that every one of us should accept. Because if we're all being honest, every one of us need to make sure that we're focusing our attention on the Lord.
Every one of us need to look inside and say, Lord, has the influence of the world meant more and been more precious to me than the influence of your Holy Spirit? Is my decisions that I make on a daily basis, are they made because of my reliance on your Holy Spirit? Are they made because of the system of the world? Lord, is there anything that I need to eliminate from my life that is hindering my walk with you? These are just things that I'm asking me. And I pray that you're asking you. Can we make that our altar this morning? Can we join together this morning and say, God, there's a lot of things that I want to ask you for, but I want to make sure that I'm asking with the right motives. God, I want to make sure that I'm aligned with you. I want to make sure that my heart is right, that I'm not seeking my own desire, but I'm seeking your will. I ask you to pray for me. As I'm praying, God, clarify your vision for AMCOG in me. I'm asking for you to, to pray that God gives me wisdom, that he opens my eyes for clarity of what our purpose and our goal is for this church. And I'm asking you to be praying about that as well. Because I believe that greater things, come on, greater things will be done when we align ourselves with him. Father, Lord, I, I'm so, so thankful that you are merciful. I'm thankful, God, that you are compassionate towards us. I'm thankful that you love us so much. I'm thankful, God, that, that Lord, your grace is sufficient. Even as Paul talked about how he bore a thorn in his flesh because he, was a, he felt like that was given to him because he didn't want to rely on himself. But Lord, even in that, even in that, God, he said, but God's grace is sufficient. And Lord, I pray, God, that we'll recognize that your grace is sufficient, that you are with us. But God, I pray that we will come back to a center of holiness that will come back to a mentality that we need you God that will come back to a place where we recognize that your truth and your word is more important than anything else and, and God I'm so thankful that we have plans and we have ideas and we, we have strategies but God I pray that first and foremost that we seek first your kingdom and your righteousness and I pray that as we seek the kingdom of God, that the authority of that kingdom, God, will be evident in the prayers that we pray. And Lord, that as we pray the prayers of authority of the kingdom of God, that we'll see the transformation not only in our own lives, but we'll see that in our church, our family, our work, our community. We'll see the hand of God moving through the authoritative prayer of those who ask in alignment with the kingdom of God. God, here we are. Here we are, Lord Jesus. Available to you. If you can use anything, Lord, use us for your kingdom, for your glory. God, I pray right now that an anointing of the Lord will come on everyone in this room right now, Lord Jesus. I pray, God, that our eyes are open. Lord, that you, the King of glory, God, would open our eyes, Lord, to see that there is an authority, there is an anointing that you have for every one of us. And I pray, God, that we'll begin to walk in the anointing of the Holy Spirit that dwells in us as the temple of the Holy Spirit. And that, Lord, your words begin to speak out of us in power and anointing. God, let it be so that wherever we go, Lord Jesus, we begin to see 
the divine appointments that you begin to put in our path. That wherever we go, we begin to see the glory of God being revealed because this is for your glory, God. For your kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' holy, righteous, magnificent, powerful name. May we walk in that name. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. I love you guys, and I mean that, and I'm very thankful for you. I believe that we're on the brink of something, and, and, and let me encourage you guys, the enemy wants to bring confusion, the enemy wants to bring disunity, the enemy wants to, to stir up strife and trouble. And my, my encouragement to you is if you sense something or if you hear something or you're struggling with something, let's talk about it. One, God is not a God of confusion. Two, he says, make them one as we're one. So if it's God, he will, his desire will be to make us one, not to divide. Right? If you sense any of those things trying to happen be aware of it cast it down say wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute this is not God and let's pray that God unifies us sharpens us to become the best that we can be in him amen amen God bless you I look forward to this week Come ready for Wednesday night. Remember the following Wednesday, the 24th, Trey's going to be sharing a, a, a little message. He's going to be leading in worship, and we'll celebrate uh, him and all that uh, he has done and dedicate, dedicating himself to this church for these years, and we really appreciate him. So come and be a part of that. Remember, if you'd like to help out with preparing for the um, Easter egg event or the egg extravaganza, <laughs> never mind, um, or the egg escape room. Uh, anyway, so many things. Get involved. Be prepared. If you are, if you're, if you have a child that's in middle school and they're going to the middle school um, retreat, um, see Paige right here, right after service. God bless you guys. Thank you.